codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 313 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Recorded live via Facebook on Thursday, April 13th, 2017, and available for download or streaming on Monday, April 17th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Tony. All right, Tony, why don't you tell us what we have this week? This week we are checking out whether Spock could be related to Sherlock Holmes, some Star Trek math, why Discovery could be at risk from a writer's strike, and the X-Prize Tricorder Challenge has announced a winner. In Star Trek Online and Gaming News, we're gearing up for two new season launches in the next couple of weeks, and the list of CBS-licensed Star Trek games is growing. Later, we'll hear from our science advisor, Dr. Hurt, in another report from the Astrometrics Lab. And of course, as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, you know we love to keep the conversation going with you throughout the week. So reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. We're on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can also send us an email via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Thanks again to all of our Patreon supporters who make this show possible from week to week. Now, I know I say that every week, but seriously, it's true. Um, Here's the thing. We are fundamentally just huge Star Trek nerds, and the whole reason that we do this show is because we want to create the place that you can come to for the most up-to-date, relevant Star Trek news from all over the fandom. And we want you guys, our listeners, to come on the journey with us. Now, sometimes that's just sharing us with your friends or leaving an iTunes review, but really, the place to start, if you can, is on Patreon. Even a dollar a month makes a huge difference to us. So please head over to patreon.com forward slash priority one to find out more. And just before we start the show, we'd like to mention again, we're always looking for members of the Priority One listener community to join the team and help contribute to our little corner of the galaxy. We're currently looking for writers for our blog and for audio editors. If you think you might be interested, shoot an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. Jim, what places? I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Over the last few years, we've reported on the Qualcomm Tricorder X-Prize Challenge, a race to develop the first functional medical tricorder capable of accurately diagnosing at least 13 health conditions and capture five real-time vital signs without the need of a healthcare professional or facility. Additionally, it had to be small, lightweight, and easy to use. Well, we finally have a winner of the $2.5 million prize, a family-based team from Pennsylvania calling themselves, wait for it, Final Frontier Medical Devices. They are the winners. Called the Dexter, D-X-T-E-R, 
The first generation tricorder is designed to be consumer friendly and easy to use. At its core, an AI brain with a starship sized digital library of medical information. Congratulations to the winners. This little device is actually quite fascinating. So it'll, it, it has like a blood pressure strap for your arm. It puts something on your finger, I guess, to measure your heart rate. And then a breathalyzer type of device. Um, and it comes in a small little kit. So it's not just one tricorder like you've seen in Star Trek and you're accustomed to seeing. Mm -hmm. It's several little non-evasive devices that just kind of monitor you. Like there's a little fever device that you put over your temple and you kind of rub your forehead on. Uh, it's it's pretty fascinating. Well, that's not inconsistent with the tricorders because if you remember, Doctor Crusher had a tricorder that kind of flipped open, and then it had the little the little thing that came out of the top of it that you scan. Do you remember? Right, right, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. So a there were diode. there's peripherals in the 24th century. Absolutely. Yeah, the thing it's it, it's it, the magic is kind of gone for me though, because right, he you know McCoy and Crusher said to sort of wave it around and it knew what to do. This one you got to strap stuff on. The, I'm sorry, but the vibe I got from that just kind of watching a few clips from the video. Have you, have you guys seen Idiocracy? A very long time ago. Okay, well, there's the part where the guy goes to the hospital, and there's like the the the, the tech at the hospital has like these eight different plugs, and they're just color coded, and he's like. Okay, this one goes in your mouth, and you hold this one, and you put this one someplace very personal. And the guy goes, "Oh, that, that it just that, that that all the little bits and parts just struck me more idiocracy, not quite so much Star Trek." Well, the most interesting thing about it is that here we are with a medical tricorder, and the first tricorder that we've seen in Star Trek, right, doesn't show up in, until twenty-two and change, right? Mm -hmm. So we have two hundred years of a head start to get to a device that you can just hold in your hand. You know, and just scan up and down. It's a good start. It, it, I mean, it is a good start. I mean, it, but it's the and the problem of is basically signal to noise, right? You're holding something three feet away from somebody. There's lots of ambient stuff around. But if you stick something onto your forehead, well, there's no doubt about where the signal is coming from. So, you know, give, give them a couple hundred years, but uh, it's a good start. Hundred decades. Come on, technology the way it's going. Okay, okay, all right. I'm not going to take bets on this one. No predictions here. No predictions today. Okay, well, here's here's a question for you guys. Is Spock a descendant of Sherlock Holmes, or at least of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle? Filmschoolrejects.com seems to think so. Now, in a film theory that definitely delves deep into Star Trek lore, the idea is that canon evidence exists to help support the fact that Spock, a half-human, half-Vulcan hybrid, might very well be related to the author of the Sherlock Holmes stories, or, if you stick with the more fictional theories, a descendant of Holmes himself. Now, the evidence they're pointing to comes from a quote that Spock has recited in both the Prime and Kelvin timelines. In The Undiscovered Country, Spock says, An ancestor of mine maintained that if you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. And that's something that Sherlock Holmes said. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, most of you know that Nicholas Meyer co-wrote and directed Undiscovered Country. However, he also wrote a Sherlock Holmes story. Now, is this just a little nod to the old detective mystery stories from Meyer? Perhaps, but later, Kelvin Timeline Spock repeats the quote in the 2009 film. Let's not forget that in the Enterprise series, the episode Carbon Creek, a Vulcan decides to stay behind in 1957 Carbon Creek, Pennsylvania. Now, it's a real shame that the dates don't line up with Arthur Conan Doyle's life. 
because then that would make sense, right? The Vulcan either wrote the stories or the Vulcan was Sherlock, right? Like he was a detective. No, but it still could work. Let me see. Let me think this through. So if Sir Arthur Conan Doyle had children and it was a descendant, a female descendant of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle who married said Vulcan in 1957, that would still count Sir Arthur Conan Doyle as being an ancestor of Spock. So it does kind of theoretically work. Amanda Grayson was fully human and was Spock's mother. She was so whatever human ancestry Spock had, it comes right through her. So you don't need any mixing Vulcan crap in the background there. Nick Myers was a huge Sherlock Holmes fan. He wrote the seven percent solution. He wanted to give he wanted to connect his two, you know, his two franchises that he was kind of famous for together. It's a funny little nod. I like the theory that Conan Doyle is Amanda Grayson's great 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 grandfather. I like that theory. Uh, mm. I don't like the whole fictional Sherlock Holmes uh, uh, thing going on. And, of course, as we all know, the writers of the 2009 thing just stole random pieces of Trek crap. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty good. From everywhere. Yeah, from everywhere. So yeah, that's yeah. pretty good. We'll do that. Well, and something that's not particularly Star Trek news, but a quick side note. If you are a fan of Babylon 5, the science fiction series that aired between 1994 and 1998... Well, you can watch them online for free over at Geo90. So this is, like, controversial because Babylon 5 and DS9 aired about the same time. And there's a lot of, you know, interesting parallels between the Babylon 5 and the DS9. So, you know, it's this is one of those old internet controversies. What I have heard is several Trekkies say, oh, man, Babylon 5 is great. Uh, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. You got to watch it. But... It hasn't been easily accessible, and the no. DVDs, as far as I understand, are, are starting to thin out. So here's the chance to catch up on it. It's like one of those like Firefly things, like you gotta watch it kind of thing. I I never got into it. I've watched individual episodes of it, and they were fine. I mean, they were good. I just never got into the 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 lore and the, and the backstory and stuff. There are a lot of Star Trek fans that do like it, though. A lot because it's it is kind of a. So allegations exist that the the plot line for DS9 was lifted from a, a script treatment that was seen, um, an early script treatment of, of, of Babylon 5 pilot. So, you know, in controversy, you know. In another bit of news, you might not be able to print your own Star Trek online customized ship colors and all, but that hasn't stopped Alexi Bruton from modeling his very own Enterprise F from Star Trek Online. In his own 3D printer. And now, he's actually made the complete collection of Enterprises throughout all of Canon available. And you can download those 3D files to print yourself for free! Yeah, and I, I have to interject here because this is, uh, the, the whole 3D printing phenomenon is something that's going on bigly in my house at the <clears throat> moment. <laughs> <laughs> because um, it, it's actually relatively simple. You probably have 3D printers in your area who are willing to take designs that you send over to them. They'll 3D print them and you can either go and pick them up or they'll have them shipped to you. So uh, my dad makes components for drones and he designs them in some free software. He gets them shipped up to a guy, um, you know, 20 miles away, who then prints them out and sends them back. And we're talking less than $10. So it's, you know, if you're interested in having a model of, or all of the models of the enterprises, whether you want to paint them yourself, that might work. Or, you know, you can also have them printed in like this UV 
plastic that changes color in the sunlight, it's way cool. Um, you can go online and find 3D printers in your area who will take your 3D files, print them out for you as a model. Um, it's very, very cool. So I would highly recommend that if you're at all interested in those type of models, go and check out these designs and you can go and see if you can have them printed for yourself. Now, check it out. This guy goes so far into the details of his 3D designs that the Enter you know the Enterprise F at the back of the Odyssey class has the mm -hmm. smaller shuttle that that undocks from the aft it, it, part of the ship. Excuse me, excuse me. Do you mean the Aquarius destroyer? Yes, sir. I'm the, sorry. Aquarius the Aquarius destroyer. Destroyer <laughs> disembarks from the aft part of the ship. He actually has made it so that you can pull out the Aquarius destroyer from the back of the ship, and you have a little tiny Aquarius destroyer. That's adorable. It actually looks pretty good. I mean, it's only in a single color, but it, it, the detail is, is pretty nice. Uh, they've got a picture on the uh, on the website we'll put in the show notes. Uh, it's of the uh, of the uh, uh, ventral section of the Enterprise F, and it's it's kind of spot on. Mm -hmm. I really, really hope that Star Trek Online finds somebody else because I really wanted my 3D printed ship and color. I did too. Did. A lot of people did. I, a lot of people I did. did. Do you like math? No? Well, it still might be fun to talk about the math of Star Trek. The National Museum of Mathematics put together an event presented by mathematician James Grime that looked at the moments when Star Trek gave states or theories on various mathematical topics. TrekMovie.com reports he analyzed, quote, McCoy's estimates on interplanetary life from Balance of Terror, Spock's triple quantity analysis in The Trouble with Tribbles, and Sulu's description of the rate of ESP power growth in Where No Man Has Gone Before, examining the reality behind the scripted lines, end quote. You can catch a separate but still relevantly Star Trek presentation on YouTube. Links will be in the show notes. No, but it is cool, the concept of actually going into these episodes, taking something where they've examined something at a mathematical level and, um, and making the math work. I'd like to see exactly how it actually works out because Star Trek has a reputation for actually being relatively accurate in terms of science and engineering. Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so um, I imagine it's probably a pretty uh, pretty interesting little presentation. Well, in our final story for this week, does anybody remember that show Heroes? I do. I loved it a yeah, lot. I do too, I actually. remember the first season, and I quit watching it. Yeah. Well, you clearly remember how awesome the first two seasons were, and I then do. it kind of crashed and burned, like the Enterprise D into Viridian 3. Well... As if we didn't already have enough to worry about with CBS All Access, the Star Trek Discovery saga, apparently there's an imminent writer's strike brewing, one that could start in May. <sighs> now, the conflict stems from the changing landscape of television, fewer episodes in a season, more on-demand content, new production schedules... And with so much demand for content, writers are ironically earning less. So who could this affect? You guessed it, Star Trek Discovery, among others. So the last time that something like this happened was in 2007, and science fiction television was really beginning to take shape again. Unfortunately, one of the better sci-fi shows at the time was Heroes, and it suffered immensely. Heroes was a phenomenal show, a mutant sort of X-Men series that we had been waiting for. Then the strike happened, and the third season of Heroes was cut short by 10 episodes. It went from 20-something to 11 episodes, and they had to yep. shrink that story down to 11 episodes. And it just couldn't recover after that. Like, the following season was the thing about the circus. I mean, come on. It was just 
it could not recover. It, for whatever reason, it just simply could not recover. Not only is Star Trek Discovery in the crosshairs, but shows like The Walking Dead could see a significant delay as well. Again, it has to do with the, the way that television is now changing. Things are moving to an on-demand format, which means that mm -hmm. production schedules shift as well. Seasons are yep. shorter. As a result, writers are either... They're, they're writing fewer episodes per season, which means they're not getting that steady income. What they normally would have mm -hmm. received for 24 episodes, now they're only getting 16, And the, but the pay compensation is not the same. It's not balancing out. Now, don't get us wrong. We're not suggesting that we're against their, uh, the fair treatment of anyone who earns a wage. Everyone is due their rightful compensation for the work that they put into any profession. Who's really at fault here is really the big money who just wants to keep negotiating and, you know, trying to save whatever pennies they have in health insurance coverage or, or, or riders' wages. I think it's a little more nuanced than that, probably, because, I mean, the whole television is changing so rapidly, whereas it used to when there wasn't any streaming television. It was entirely based on, you know, ad revenue. And that kind of model is changing. So they literally don't have as much. I mean, we're all feeling the bite from the recession and big companies as well because of the changing model and how TV is produced and also the recession. They have less money to pay as well. So it's kind of it's all kind of coming down. And I, I don't think it's as nuanced as they're trying to save money by not paying their writers. Um, I, I think it's probably a little more... Um, it's a little more squiffy than that, but I, I agree. Um, it, it could be problematic for Discovery if the writers do choose to go on strike. Well, uh, I have two things here. Number one, it almost, it, it, I think it kind of is almost that simple because this is a contract negotiation. I think they're three-year-long contracts. And so the one in 2007 was basically the dawn of the Internet stuff. And people were trying to come to grips with the very early beginnings of it. it the, the, the format was just taking shape. Now we know more about it. And the companies that run these things know a lot more about it than the writers do because they have access to the books. And mm -hmm. so uh, the writers are here going, well, you've gotten away with uh, paying us 20% less. That's the figures they give. Uh, we're, we're getting 20% less compensation. You guys are making bank off of this new model, which is direct payment for episodes of television, which is mind-blowing. We can now directly connect a consumer enjoying a product with the people who created the product. And I think rightfully so. The writers are like, eh, a little more something for the effort would be really nice here. And there's a, they've got a lot of moving parts with, with the contract negotiations. But the idea is that when, um, from, the information, from the information that I've read, is that in this negotiation, the Writers Guild basically said, we need X, Y, and Z and then uh, the movie uh, uh, people, movie and TV people who have an industry trade group that negotiates on behalf of about 11 different companies, they said, no, 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 yes, no, 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 no. Well, that's not a negotiation. That's an ultimatum. That's a standoff. The writers are probably going to strike, and that's just going to happen. Here's my prediction. This is not a bad thing for Star Trek. Here's why. Because they probably already got most of the season sort of written. I bet they've got scripts, or at least you know script outlines for for all thirteen or so episodes that they've got. If the writers actually go on strike, the problem is when they film it or when they actually get into production, you're going to need rewrites. Something's not going to work. A character, you know, or, you know, an actor gets sick or gets fired or has to quit for some reason. You know, you have to just 
guess who's in charge and who's not officially a writer? Nick Myers. He's a member of the Writers Guild, so there's probably some squishy contract right. things that have to go on there. Right. But mm-hmm. but the credit his credit on this show, I think, is a producer, which means he's contractually obligated to produce. My point is, I think that if he's the one doing the rewrites, that's actually okay. That's not a bad thing for Star Trek necessarily. I mean, ultimately, we hope that they're able to resolve it um, because we don't want a writer strike at all. Um, I think, I think, regardless of the technicalities of whether Necklace Meyer is going to be able to put his fingers in there, um, I think I would not assume that the entire series is written yet, and I. I Discoveries in a little bit of a, a, a tense position at the moment because uh, we still feel very early on in production, and uh, that's a little scary to me. Now let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, welcome again to Star Trek Online News. This week, we're gearing up for the launch of Season 12, Reckoning, on console, and details are coming thick and fast about Season 13, Escalation, coming soon on PC. But first, we sort of teased it last week, but we never actually got into the meat of the latest featured episode on Star Trek Online, uh, so I think we should talk about it today. Yes, okay, let's. Okay, okay, let's okay, just okay, do okay. it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, okay. let me go first. <laughs> All right, before we geek out, guys, spoiler alert warning. Yep. Okay. Big fat spoilers. If you haven't played the featured episode, this is an episode of Priority One where you're going to want to pause, go play, and then come back to us. All right, so. Okay, 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 okay. Let's talk about the episode. My favorite part, okay, was the small little touchstone to Les Mis that you pointed out Last week, mm-hmm. Kenna. Yep. The best part, really. Tasha Yar's prisoner yeah. number is 24601. Oh. Now, yep. for those of you that are not familiar with Les Miserables, <laughs> that is the prisoner number of the protagonist in the musical. Yeah. Jean Valjean. Jean Valjean. Uh, there's a whole number. Who am I? 24601. So that was epic. I really appreciated it. I was kind of, I was expecting something bigger. When you had mentioned Les Mis, I was expecting something way bigger. Oh, no, no. It's just but tiny. It was, if you didn't know it, it was just it, a it tiny just, little thing. And the thing is, they said a it, random and I went, number. is that, oh, that can't, yeah. is that? And I had to go and look it up on the internet, and then I was like, oh my God, immediately, immediately I was in Hangouts going, Elijah, oh my God, you have to play the featured episode <laughs> right now, right now. So <laughs> that is, and it's funny because when we were at Mission New York, um, we had the the hang with the devs at the, one of the bars in New York City, and I was talking to Stephen Salami Inferno Ricosa, and he and his wife are actually big music theater fans. Uh, and I was telling him how he had to see Les Mis before it closed because Les Mis was closing like a week or a few days after the New York Star Trek convention, Mission New York. Mm-hmm. So he's like scrambling to try to get tickets, and he, you know, I, I don't think he, I don't remember if he made it. I don't think he did, but. We were geeking out about Les Mis, so it's funny to see how they kind of wove it in there. Oh, yeah. So, anywho, it's it's fun, and it's a nice little touchstone. Exciting. All right. That music theater geek out aside. Yeah. That was um, like a two-minute yeah. aside. It's, I'm it's sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. So, now that we've got the best part out of the way, all yeah. right. So, now yeah. let's, let's yeah. talk about the context in which everyone were talking about the tiny little number on somebody's uniform. So, yeah. So, 
some guy walks in with a little crystal thingy and puts it down on a desk. And wait, 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 wait. Do we, okay, do we want to go to the end or do we, we want to talk about You guys just, you guys just did itself. the best part, and I'm going, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. That's not the best part. Yeah, but, but you're we, skipping no, no, but, to the end. Yeah, you're I'm skipping just, to the end. They're talking okay. about the big part. That's the big part. Yeah. The mission's great. Okay, well, big part. Let me give it. Let me give it two two second recap. So we go to this yes. this prison. Let's just do it in order. In an attempt. Let's just do it in order. Let's do it in order. <laughs> we go to a prison planet in an attempt to find uh, Admiral Tanay. Well, she's not Admiral Tanay, right. but she's Tanay. We got to back up even farther because once again we're time traveling. Once again, we have time. We have time <laughs> problems. Timey wimey, wibbly oh, wobbly. Oh, skipping all the beginning. Be- wibbly wobbly, okay. timey wimey stuff. This is what happens when we don't write. Well, this is this is the yeah, geeking out. This, this is, is what we do. This is the this is the process of geeking out because we have so many different our, things. Our geek is definitely showing yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. wibbly wobbly, timey so, wimey stuff. Daniels comes back and goes, "Oh my god, problems and things and timey wimeys." And you go, "This is a job for Starfleet," and you're off to the prison planet you were mentioning. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Well, we, well, first we go and pick up Sela on the way. Because obviously she escaped right. last time, so right. we had to go and pick her right. up. So we got... Because we she knew. Because she knew where the prison was. Exactly. But can I just say, she came way too easy. <laughs> she did. Yeah. This is the beginning. Because I thought, they're teasing Sila, and then like within the first couple of minutes, she's just on board helping us out. And I'm going, eh, all right. Yeah, she's um, negotiating to become a prisoner. And I'm like, what? Mm. No. Uh, whatever. She's she's enigmatic, let's say, Sheila. Sure. She's okay. she's enigmatic. She's enigmatic. So we end up on the prison planet. We're looking for Tanay. Uh not Admiral Tanay. It's like the 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 alternate timeline mirror, not mirror, but version of her. Um Right. And we discover that that's where the Enterprise C survivors, including Tasha Yar, who we were told was executed but turns out wasn't. She was just sent to the prison planet with the rest of the prisoners. She survived, and they are all sort of there surviving. Um, their supplies got cut off, and uh, they ended up having to literally survive there with no help at all. Um, and then there's Admiral Tanay going a bit mad, and all these temporal distortions popping up. And what we're left with is kind of a Tomb Raider esque puzzle thing where you got to negotiate yeah. the time distortions while you're chasing. Did Tanay. you guys walk into the time distortions? I did. No, I never did. I did on accident. <laughs> So of course you, you did. You go in, you go in, and your character starts to scream, and it, he turns gray, and he starts to shrivel up unless you back out of it. Seriously? Back. Oh, I'm gonna do that again. No, then. not seriously. Oh. You're t- <laughs> but you're like nothing. You just you start to lose health, and you, you like, just take slow damage, down. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Oh, you just that's take damage. Just infinitely. Low. That would have been cool. cool. Thing. Because remember, remember when um, when that episode with Picard, Jordy, and Troy—they're on the shuttle on the way back from one long, incredibly unbroken <laughs> sentence—and he puts his hand yeah. to grab the apple, and his hand shrivels up. Yeah, that would have been cool. I would have, you know, something like that. Yeah. Notes for next time. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, while we're on this planet, we're picking up personal logs from the prisoners to find out what's going on, and. It turns out that the personal logs we're reading are Tasha Yar's. Um, and that's a bit of a shock for Sila, who believes that her mother is dead. And a lot of what the logs are talking about is, I hope Sila is doing well. I hope she knows that she was loved and I miss her. And I think it's a bit of an emotional thing for Sila because she's believed this whole time that her mother was executed. And now to find out that she's been alive this whole time. her father's time, behest. Yeah, that he didn't kill her, um, I think is a bit of a big deal for her. So as we progress, we find out that actually Tashiar does eventually die of old age, which is quite sad, um, and then is laid to rest at the very end, and we do find Tanay, and everything's fine. Sila agrees to go into custody, uh, but she says on one condition. 
And we don't find out what right. the condition is until that very final scene, which is where Tony picks up. So, yeah, so we get a guy walking in in a yellow-trimmed black Starfleet uniform, and he's got a little crystal thing, and he puts goes into Sela's uh, uh, cell. So he pushes the little button on the crystal, and up pops Tasha Yar. We have seen this crystal on TV. And, 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 she says... Tell me about my mother. Yes, she says tell me about my mother. And we have mm-hmm. seen this crystal on TV in the possession of... We have. In the possession of Commander Data. Yeah, it was the one that he had, he kept on his desk to remember her after she died because of their, you know, fully functional <clears throat> encounter. That was a huge plot point in that uh, 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 seminal Star Trek episode, Measure of a Man, where they talk about Data's mm-hmm. sentience. And that yes. was one of the, the pieces of evidence that Picard used to demonstrate that he had attachments to certain mm-hmm. people, which would you know probably not happen if he was just a robot. So, yeah, right. so, so uh, very, very clearly we're talking about Tasha meeting Data. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, Sela meeting Data. I have, so many, I have so many issues with this theory. I just, I mean, I totally, I want it. I want it to be true. I want Brent Spiner to do voiceover for Data in Star Trek Online. I want that. I just don't believe it. Because... Okay. All right. So, it is Data. It's most definitely Data. Okay. Now, whether or not they're going to get Brent Spiner is up in the air. Now, now, mind you, they did not show his face. face. And no voice, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Now I'm thinking that legally, unless they get the rights, unless they get Brent Spiner's permission, they cannot use his likeness and they cannot use anything to represent him in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Which is why we only get the very little bit of the of the the, the holographic statuette of Tasha Yar, mm-hmm. and then his his and then Sila asking, "Tell me about my mother." Okay, and the gold trim. Yeah. Now the hair is slicked back. If you notice, the hair is slicked back. You kind of the, the the neck kind of looks a little androidy-ish color tint. I don't think we're ever going to have Brent Spiner voice in Star Trek Online. Two reasons: one, because I think Brent Spiner could care less. Uh, two, I think Brent Spiner would ask for a stupid high amount of money, like dumb. Dumb astronomical levels of, of, of money. Well, to, he's to and he something. has been vocal in the past that he wouldn't play Data again. I don't know if that extends right. to voice work, but as you age, your voice is different. I'm sure if the money I was don't, right. I don't know. You know, it's it's like, okay, so, uh, okay, Walter Koenig is significantly older than Brent Spiner is, but you know how they had to, they had to create a way for Walter Koenig's voice to be in the game because his voice is older now than it was back when he was Chekhov in Star Trek. So they had to work that into it. Um, Data's voice would not age, but Brent Spiner's voice would. I just, I have a hard time. There's too many things. I have a hard time believing it. Having said that, you know, we saw Data die in Nemesis. And his consciousness went into B4. I could see... Don't don't take credit for this, Kenna, because we had to explain this to you in the Hangout <laughs> chat. No, I remember uh, this. Uh, hang on. I still don't... Hold on. I don't Jace explained this to all of us. There's no, no, no we no. here. Jace explained it. No, I started I started off, then Jace went into the Star Trek online lore, which we will get to in a second. I can't I can't actually remember that whole argument. But what what I'm what I'm trying to get at is in theory, this could be another version of Data's consciousness in a different body with a different voice. Right. I could believe I could okay. maybe believe that. It's a bit of a stretch, it's a bit of a contrivance, but maybe 
Here we go. Oh, oh right. man. So okay. At the end of Nemesis. Yeah. At the end of Nemesis. Yeah. Or, during during Nemesis, Data uploads his positronic net into B4. Yeah. Now B4 had a much less developed positronic brain than Data, so it, it didn't develop as quickly. But at the end of Nemesis, he starts to whistle what Data was whistling mm-hmm. earlier in the episode mm-hmm. and during the wedding scene of, of Nemesis with um, Riker and Troy's wedding. Yeah. Okay, uh, Never saw the sun shining so bright. Never saw things nearly so Any bright. Any excuse okay. to sing. Um, this is going to be the musical episode. So <laughs> there's our title yeah. for this week's episode. <laughs> then, just before the 2009 Kelvin timeline split, there was a series of comic books called the Countdown series mm-hmm. by that IDW published. In that series, okay, Data is captain of the Enterprise E. And, and we've spoken about this on the show before, the artist who m- did those comic books used the Star Trek Online Sierra uniforms. Mm-hmm. Right, in Countdown. So Data, Data is, a, is a captain of the Enterprise E wearing a Star Trek Online Sierra uniform. Okay. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Now, the enter- according to Star Trek Online lore, now Jay steps in to school all of us. In Star Trek Online lore, the Enterprise E gets lost in a, in a mission. Okay, so for for all these years, we don't know where the Enterprise E has been. During a Star Trek magazine, the official Star Trek magazine, one of their issues, Kestrel had written a, a, a Star Trek lore story. That brought back the Enterprise into Star Trek Online canon. Right. So, Data, which is the B4 body, had been updated and upgraded and then improved upon. Data's consciousness has now moved into that new body, is captain of the Enterprise, or was captain of the Enterprise, and chose not to take command of the Enterprise F, but and instead, you know, yielded to Sean. Right. So, Data is alive and well. Right. In prime time in prime universe because as we understand it from cbs and and jj verse the comics count as canon and what's on screen counts as canon so what's been happening with idw since countdown is now considered canon okay okay so data is alive and well in the star trek online universe okay now will will they be able to afford brent spiner i really doubt it because i you know i hate to say it but the way they talk about money at conventions, they're just, you know, like, it's all money, 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 money. One of these days, <laughs> someone's going to have to basically, and, and, you know, this is just kind of the, the jerk lawyer in me. You know, you got to sit down across from a guy and go, look, we have a, we have, our job is to sell Star Trek stories. Data is alive and well because of all these things we just put together with this. Data is going to be in, in Star Trek Online. It can either be Brent Spiner data or we can have Bob Jones data. And we can just say that data reprogrammed his voice because he was sick and tired of sounding the same all the time. And it can and that'll be just fine. And we'll have people and maybe and we'll have a big controversy and people are gonna come back and, and, and we can say whatever we want to publicly, but at some point I think someone has to challenge the those guys and go, look, we got a story to tell. If you don't want to be a part of it, that's cool. We'll just hire another actor to do it. And there you go. It may not be this game, but it'll definitely be another game. Because you know that Al Rivera has said on the record how he really wants to avoid hiring. Yeah, it, like imitating somebody. Imitating yeah. actors. Yeah. Or, or not, even not for Data. Some, even doing some kind of story skew like the Oracle when, you know, when the unfortunate 
passing of the original actress of the Oracle and them having to spin this story that the Oracle shed her shell in the Matrix. That's another drink. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think they'll do it. I don't think they'll do that. And here's here's a question that might throw a bit of a wrench in, in the whole discussion. So we talked last week about the fact that this story doesn't immediately follow on from particularly anything. No. It's a story that's sort of, it could take place at any point in the Star Trek Online timeline because it's very timey-wimey. No, it, it has does to have not, happened after the Iconian uh, Yes, okay, after the Iconian War. But it doesn't, it doesn't follow on from one of signs and portents. And um, that, that story arc still has yet to be resolved. So we know that there are more stories to come that feature the Zenkethi and the Lucari. We know that that's going to continue on into escalation. Do, isn't it possible that this featured episode could be a standalone? Like a truly standalone that's just meant to have a really cool twist ending? That'd be totally fine with me. I'd like to see more of that. Because otherwise, I mean, the thing is, I would like to see them do something really big and awesome for the Next Generation 30th anniversary. So that's this year. And so far, you know... Like hire Brent Spiner? uh, Well, maybe. (laughs) Um, Last year with the 50th, we had Agents of Yesterday, big TOS presence, big boom, yaw. This year, we've got the TNG 30th. And there is a conspicuous lack of Next Generation stuff in Star Trek Online, there's probably reasons for that. Um, it would be kind of cool, but I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to understand how we're going to get this story with potentially a bit of data going to dovetail in with this way out there Zenkethi, Lucari um, storyline going on. I'm, I haven't quite figured out how that could merge, but th- then again, they, I'm, not a, I'm not a Star Trek Online designer. So I think, I think this is what... Uh, I, you know, we, we didn't talk at all about the, the, the level design or anything like that, and I want to talk a little bit about that before we go, but I think maybe here's a nice segue. There's the mechanics of creating the game, and then there's the we'd mm-hmm. like to hear more Star Trek lore. I don't think yeah. that they would have bet the farm on getting Data or Brent Spiner or anybody else on their main mm-hmm. mechanical storyline stuff where they're produ- uh, producing reputation systems and uh, you know Starbase uh, assets, that kind of stuff. But I think mm. these sort of, like, I'm going to say softer, just story shows, that's something like, Touchstone. yeah, Touchstone, Touchstoning episodes, yeah. That would be something that, like, we're going to try to get Actor X. And if that, we can, yeah. and if we can pull that off, how would we lead into that? And, and that kind of, mm-hmm. and that would be something where, you know, you, you give, you give, you give a designer and a, a you know, a, a coder, like, you know, just, just go try that, you know, and that's not, that's a low risk sort of thing. You give it to people a couple of weeks to come up with a nice story episode. Mechanically, there was really nothing that original about this episode. The, the puzzle was fun. You know, the, the time puzzle yeah. was fun, but that was just, you know, moving assets back and forth on a, on a kind of a clock thing. Right. Um, and, and a couple in that pressure, like sort of, I don't know, pressure plate puzzle where you moved around the maze and stuff. I mean, mechanically, nothing, nothing terribly exciting about it. It was well executed. Mm-hmm. I mean, there wasn't anything broken yep. about it. I agree. Uh, so, it had a really good feel, right? To and it. you know, no, no going gray when you stepped outside the thing, like Elijah tried to, you know, the sneaky guy. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but but it was it was well done. That's the sort of thing where if I'm trying to get a Brent Spiner, and I think I might be able to, I have these sort of soft cannon touchstone type stories that are not are not mechanically dependent on kicking the next season out on time. Um, I, and I think that would be, I think that's good. I think having some of these. Um, just sort of, just sort of. I, I'm not. I, I'm gonna say filler, but it's not filler because it's the important stuff, right? I mean, it's the reason I still have mm-hmm. Star Trek Online installed on my hard drive. 
It's that I know they're going to tell me some more Star Trek stories, and so I, I'll never delete. The, I'll never delete the game because I know that's going to happen, and I'd like to see more of it. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So I think I think we've kind of done this episode to death. I would just like to ask a community question. Uh, so for anyone who's listening. What did you guys think about the featured episode? Tell us all the nitty gritty. What did you think? What does it mean going forward? And what was your biggest, best moment of the whole thing? All right, well, let's get back to the newsy stuff. Enough editorial commenting from us. First up, we'll talk console. This is just a reminder that Tuesday, April 18th, is the big launch day for Season 12 Reckoning on Xbox One and PlayStation 4. Make sure to update your game and go check out all the new great content. This seasonal update features a new story mission of Signs and Portents with voiceover from Kipley Brown as Administrator Kumark and the Star Trek Online debut of Tony Todd as General Rodek. In addition to the new episode, there's a new Zenkethi Space Battle Zone, new Lucari Reputation, and a new Research and Development School for Kits and Modules. And to make the launch just a little bit sweeter, there's an extended key sale going on in the console version of the Sea Store. From now through 10 a.m. Pacific on April 21st, players can get keys and key bundles for 15% off. Moving on now to PC news, we've had details of the next war game scenario that will be launching as part of Season 13 Escalation. The new competitive PvE game is called Binary Circuit and is a ground-based 5-on-5 gauntlet-class war game. Quoting the Star Trek Online announcement, In a gauntlet-class scenario, captains will not be engaging in direct battle with the opposite team, but racing against them to solve puzzles and defeat enemies, end quote. The scenario takes place in a converted Borg cube with plenty of hollow baddies to keep both teams busy. The team that reaches the end of the course first takes home the as-yet-unnamed prize. The scenario comes in normal, advanced, and elite versions, and regardless of the outcome, both teams will be rewarded with marks, dilithium, and R&D materials. Oh, it's not just for laughs, these war game scenarios. As with all new season releases, there's a new reputation system coming at the end of the month. It was announced this week that the competitive war games has a new reputation system associated with it. You can earn normal and elite marks from completing competitive war game scenarios, and as you level up, you'll gain access to space and ground gear, weapons, consumables, and traits. Now, the absolute best part for some of you out there is going to be the completely insane choice of outfits you can unlock. We're talking shoulder pads and capes and all the pretty colors. Be prepared for some hardcore space Barbie when Season 3 Escalation launches on PC, which, by the way, is expected to be on Tuesday, April the 25th. For more information about the newest War Games scenario and about the competitive War Games reputation, we'll have a link in our show notes at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO313. And in the final piece of the Gearing Up for Season 13 puzzle, the Infinity Lockbox is back, now through maintenance on the 25th of April. There are a few new additions this time around. Captains opening the Infinity Lockbox now have a chance to win two new Tier 6 Tal Shiar ships, which we saw launched a few weeks back on Xbox One and PlayStation 4. The Kleene-class Battlecruiser and the Manduka-class Destroyer are updates to the Tier 5 Tal Shiar Adapted Battlecruiser and Adapted Destroyer. Like their Tier 5 counterparts, the Kleene and Mandukar are both Tal Shiar warbirds adapted with Borg technology for extra special awesomeness. The Infinity Lockbox is available as a random drop now, and to open them you'll need Master Keys which can be bought for 125 Zen or on the exchange. And in a final piece of Star Trek Online news, it saddens us to announce 
that the Star Trek Online Gateway is coming to an end. Womp womp. Now, uh, my guess is that many of you are going, Star Trek Online Gateway? What are you talking about? What is that? Well, Captains, there was a web-based portal that Mm -hmm. gave you access to all of your tunes, statistics, inventory, and stats. Uh, It also allowed for some, um, for your biography data to show up, so it helped with roleplay if you wanted to share your character's information with friends. It also helped show what gear you had on if you Mm -hmm. wanted to exchange notes for things like PvE, player versus environment, or PvP, player versus player, to try to up your DPS damage per second, improve your stats, get tips from other players. Uh, Unfortunately, this web portal is now at its end of life, which uh, saddens me a little bit. I have, you know, since I started playing Star Trek Online, and the idea, the concept of a gateway... Some sort, some sort of web-based interface was toyed with. Uh, I was a huge proponent of it, and every time the dev somebody came on, I'd be like, "Hey, so when are we gonna get like mobile DOS?" Um, you know, and we've pretty much gotten the definitive look. We're just not gonna invest the R and D in in mobile or web platform, which is sad because this announcement, when we posted it on Facebook and social media, has been pretty engaging from our from from you, our listeners who play Star Trek Online, people who think and feel that, I think, believe that the next great step for Star Trek Online, a seven-year-old MMO, is to try to find a way to integrate mobility, Mm -hmm. right? We are in in a mobile era. Now, Mm -hmm. Cryptic Studios would have to invest a lot of R&D, but you know what? I would rather they invest that R&D in a mobile platform than maybe pay for a Brent Spiner or a Jonathan Frakes or another Michael Dorn session. Because there is a, you know, as the game expands and becomes more complicated with subsystems like R&D, DOF, Admiralty, keep, you know, let's keep it on going and and adding on to it. All the things. Some of these, some of these games could, could, could work on mobile, right? Mm -hmm. I could be at work and just, right, all these subsystems could really just, you know, Mm-hmm. Pop up the Star Trek Online app and trigger my DOFs, trigger yep. Admiralty, trigger something. Yep. Um, and I think that I think that you know, for an MMO to be seven years old is already a milestone, right? Mm-hmm. But there comes a time when an MMO needs to is going to need to do something big, right? Mm-hmm. To to keep to stay on that radar. Not every MMO is as fortunate as Star Trek Online or the Elephant in the Room. World of Warcraft or something like that. So it's a shame that look the gateway. I I stopped using it. I mean, it was very limited in its functionality. I never used it. Uh, they never, yeah. you know, nobody ever used it. it. It just it was really just. It was the redheaded stepchild. Right. It was your paper doll and on paper, yeah. literally, and that's it. That's all you got yeah. to do. You couldn't do really. You couldn't exchange items. You couldn't move things around. Right. But I re I hope that even though that the gateway has reached its end of life those investment dollars move into mobility. I think that would breathe so much life into the game. Um, Not that it's needed. Not necessarily that it's needed. I'm not saying that. I disagree. But but for a seven-year-old MMO, if they could integrate mobility into the game, you're you're looking at adding another seven years. Even Mm -hmm. Even if it's just bringing the DAW system, Admiralty, and R&D to mobile platform in an app, 
you're adding another seven years right now. I am going to violently disagree with you, Elijah. I think that they have to do this. Uh, I think they have to do this. I think they have to scrap Gateway. I'm okay with them scrapping Gateway, but they need to go back and make Gateway 2, and they need to do it now. And this is why. They've moved into the other console platforms, right? So they're already trying to expand audience right there. I don't have access to their internal numbers. I don't know what their uptake rate is. I don't know whatever. I'm assuming it's not great. I'm assuming it's not as big as they thought it might have been. Because it is a complex UI, and it is tough to get over. We had that discussion about uh, the Engage podcast. It's not, it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not a simple MMO to just pick up and run with. What they need to do is they need to grab a new audience. They need to find a new way to, keep, to get people engaged and to keep them engaged. A free-to-play app that you can download onto your phone that says, hey, send it's, – it's the Away Team app. Send your Star Trek Away Team on missions. And you know what else? You know what else? You can unlock, once you've sent your people on AOA missions, guess what? Once you've reached the captain or admiral level doing doing the DOFs, you can now send other ships, not just DOFs anymore. Now you can send ships with the Admiralty system. And at some point along the way, you unlock the R&D. And all of a sudden, you've got this like little power, you've got this little, you know, this little pile of stuff you're doing these little things with. You know what you can do? You can take this little pile that you've made, and you can go sign up for the MMO, Star Trek Online, and immediately have all these benefits that you've acquired through the mobile app transfer immediately onto your Star Trek Online character, and boom, you're already in the universe. And now you can now you can buy ships, you can pilot your ship. I mean, you can do... They need another way to grab more audience, and the mobile thing has to happen. I mean, that, that idea of starting the game on mobile, that, that I could see being a huge hurdle, right? Because a lot of these systems are level-gated, right? So you have to be level 5, or level 10, or level something, just mm-hmm. to even start these subsystems. I, I, as a companion app... Mm-hmm. I, I, I see that being the direction, the, the, the path of least resistance, yeah, so to speak. I would, where yes. it's Where it's you, you log into the game, you create your tune, yeah. you start playing the story missions, you get, you get the lore in, you experience what it is right. to, to be a captain of a starship. And then, oh, I got to go to work or, oh, I got to go. I'm hanging out with friends tonight. But, oh, you know what? Let me, oh, my, my phone buzzed. My, my, my DOF mission just ended. Let me trigger right. another Or one. the new Mass Effect game comes out and I'm not playing Star Trek anymore. But, but <laughs> I always have my phone with me, and I will always be right, checking, and right, I will right. never forget that I do have Star Trek Online installed. Oh, and look at that. There's a key sale. Oh, I was going to, I got a whole crap load of boxes I did want to unlock. Yeah, I got that new thing. I was actually about to ask yeah. you, how do you monetize a, an app for something like this? Oh, Pop well, up here's stuff the easy all thing. the time. So, well, uh, this is um, the, the, one of the points that I wanted to make real quickly was that um, you've got a game like Star Trek Timelines, which is doing well enough that the company behind it has secured a massive round of extra funding. So there is currently a, a market for people who want to play a Star Trek game on their mobile devices. So Star Trek Online could very easily get some of that. Now, the way you monetize that is with the, the very common sort of freemium model where... You send your your guys away on a on a DOF mission. Do you want to complete it early? Well, it's the same way as it's doing now. You you spend your dilithium. Oh, you spend yeah, your yeah, zen yeah. Um, yeah. to to yeah. make that finish it's faster. Almost, it's the same way that you do it. Currently. It's almost as if they they got the back end system like completely figured out and running like clockwork <laughs> for seven years, and all they have to do is put it on a different freaking interface. I mean, the thing is, you've got something like Timelines that is, um, and I keep bringing up Timelines because currently it's the only thing out there. I mean, there is Wrath of Gems, but that's a little bit no, of a but, different and thing. And there's uh, Trexels. Um, and Trexels. But there, again, there's, there's slightly different things and much, much smaller. There is, there, there is market to be had. There is market share to be taken. 
and I think that Star Trek Online could now, do it. Now, that could be a problem, though. Whether that's something that they want to do, that could be know. That could be considered cannibalizing, and that could be a problem, too. So we gotta we got to think about CBS and all those sort of overlapping licenses and stuff like that. It could be that a fully developed gateway might step on a toe or two. But if I'm CBS, I'm like, well, that seems to be like your problem, right? You other games, you mm-hmm. must you must not be as good as Star Trek Online because their thing is raking in the bucks and you're not. So I mean, I, mm-hmm. I I I don't think that's a problem. But but back to Elijah's point about it being a more of a retention thing rather than a an acquisition thing. That's almost too easy. I mean, that's almost like well, we tried that with Gateway, nobody used it. But that's the chicken and egg problem. That's so makes me so angry with video games. It's like we'll put this feature in, we'll see if people adopt it. If you don't give people enough to do with it, they're not going to use it. And if they don't use it, you're not going to improve it. Well, the thing is, one of the things that, one of the big advantages to something like a DOF system or an admiralty system, one of the big advantages for something like Star Trek Online is the fact that it encourages you to log in on a regular basis, especially when you have shorter missions. Um, And the reason that they want you to log in is because when you log in, you spend money eventually. The more you log in, the more likely you are to spend money. Now, you, uh, there's the argument that if you have a mobile platform that you're not going to be logging yes. into the game as much and you're not going to spend very as true. much money. So, but so gate how many missions? You pay gate how many missions? Well, you but the thing the is, it's that freemium thing. Right. There is still, if you're logging onto the mobile app, you're still having that, you're still logging in and there's still, still those options in, right. to right. speed things up, get more stuff, et cetera, et cetera, right. boost your admiralty, et cetera. Instead of five, instead of uh uh, what's the DOF? Twenty-two right or uh, twenty-three, if you have the right embassy. So you things. can only run, right? So if you, you can only run twenty R- DOF missions, well, yep. on the mobile app, you can only run ten unless you spend money, you know, in some way. Yeah, that form, works. Right? So, yeah. Same with the same with R and D, and same with yeah. uh, same with uh, the, the the Admiralty. Yeah. So yeah. these are these are things that that I. You know, so Cryptic is not a, a mobile developer. They're not. I mean, that's a whole. There are companies designed for that. But yeah. I, it, but you know, I remember way back when during the acquisition of PWE, PWE considered Cryptic their R and D project. Right. Mm-hmm. This is where they really should invest some R and D dollars, because mm-hmm. I think that for a seven year old MMO, it would breathe so much life into the game. Um, again, not that it's needed. Mm. But, woo, you're talking about longevity now. Now you're yeah. talking about longevity. Well, and I think that, you know, a lot of the reaction that I've been seeing to people who are upset over the gateway leaving, it's not that the functionality that was there was so vital that they're going to miss it. It was the fact that the fact that gateway was there was potential. It was when are they, it was never, when are they going to make a new mobile app? It was when are they going to develop the gateway? When are they going to, make the right, gateway have right, more features right, and so right. shutting down the gateway has made a lot of people go oh well i guess that's the end then and and it's that lost potential that seems to be uh, you know really the sad so, part let, let me ask you this if it mm-hmm. if it if it was between 3d printed ships right if they if they if because people really wanted that right mm-hmm. if it was between 3d printed ships and developing a mobile application for star trek online which would that, you take? Which would that you take? is not even a question. Yeah, not even a question. Mobile. That is not even a question. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, positive. One hundred percent. Because you know what? I don't spend money on Star Trek Online. Sorry, 
Um, I am a free-to-play player because I haven't got that much money. So I, I, I spend my time and I go into the game. I would log in more often on a mobile device, but I'm not, I, I'm not in the market for a 3D printed ship. I think they're awesome. I am just not in the market. Yep. But what I am in the market for is microtransactions, something that's convenient that I can take on the go with me because I don't have a gaming laptop. I have a PC, but I'm running all over town all the time. So it's not it's like not even in the same league that it's not even a yeah. question. And and the yeah. second and the second part of that answer that I'm going to follow up with is that it, this helps the longevity of the game. 3D printed model ships, eh, they're toys. I mean, they're, they're trinkets. But this would help with the longevity of the game, which is what we're all looking for. And the other part that I want to no- note is is that Neverwinter has had mobile access for a long time and you could do the analog of DOF missions in Neverwinter from like forever ago. So they've got some of this capability. They they have it. Wait, what can Neverwinter do? They they had, Neverwinter has a sort of like doff like missions. You have like peasants and servants and peons and stuff. You can send them on missions, and they even have like a mobile, like a mobile dungeon game. You know, you can like you can go through dungeons and sort of roll dice and and like you know send your little peons on missions. And that and that flips back to you know that that uh, uh, relates back to this the uh, your your portal in the game where you have your little servants and stuff. So, I mean, they, it's not like they don't have the capability. And again, maybe the uptake on the Neverwinter portal side is not that great either. I don't look, know. Look, let me, let me, I'm going to be honest with you right now. I'm, I don't put a lot of games on my phone because I don't really have time, right? If I was a commuter, I, are you kidding me? I'd probably be like right. a huge mobile game. But, yo, Pokemon Go, I'll log in every day just to do that little like daily streak thing that they do. Just to do that. It's a thing. On Pokemon Go, it's a thing. You just log in to do something real quick, and boom, bada-bing, done. Are you kidding? I would totally do the same thing, have that same kind of dedication for for Star Trek Online. You've you've got somebody's eyeballs for for four minutes. Tell them that there's a Zen sale. Give them a a bonus uh, pack for logging in on the desktop that day. You know, I mean, Uh just uh, for the the good of the game – Steven Ricosa. Salami Inferno, listen to me. Go pitch this. Get the money. Get somebody on this. Okay, so I think we've pretty much killed the gateway. I mean, it's already dead, but I think we've also killed it. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know. I'm sorry. Um, So we were talking about timelines there. We do actually have some other gaming news this week. It kind of falls under that other Star Trek games category. So first up, the tabletop gaming and miniatures company WizKids have just announced that they've renewed their license to produce official Star Trek-branded merchandise. Now, Star Trek Online players will know WizKids from the occasional cross-promotion with Star Trek Attack Wing, including the recent one with a promotional code for a Tier 6 Vizier-class Command Assault Cruiser, a.k.a. the Tier 6 Sovereign. Which now, I finally the, got my hands which Elijah on. Which finally got. Oh now, my gosh. This, First of all, and I had to jump through hoops. I had to buy it on eBay. And I paid, way, I paid twice the amount that you would pay in a hobby store to get it. But they kept selling out. So I got it on eBay from some guy in Germany. Whatever works, dude. Right? Uh, so with this uh, renewed multi-year license, WizKids is going to continue to expand the Attack Wing brand, as well as adding a number of other products to their Star Trek lineup. So new and returning product lines include Star Trek Deep Cuts Unpainted Miniatures, Star Trek Frontiers The Return of Khan Expansion Set, Star Trek Tactics Series 4, and Star Trek Hero Clicks Away Team The Original Series. So these are tabletop games, right? That's They're all, all tabletop are. games, yeah. yeah. 
Okay. And finally, for any of you gamblers out there, and we know there are some because Cryptic is still in business selling lockboxes, video game gambling company GameCo has announced this week that they will soon be debuting a new Star Trek Deep Space Nine-themed gambling machine. This is an officially licensed product and will feature a loose plotline where players take control of the Defiant in ship-to-ship combat. According to the website licensing.biz, the deal struck with CBS covers all five of the live-action Star Trek series and could theoretically lead to development of further titles. Rich Marionic from GameCo said, quote, We are excited to work with CBS Consumer Products to bring a space battle action game to casino floors that highlights the entertainment value Star Trek is known for, end quote. Star Trek Deep Space Nine Adventure is set to debut in the fall of 2017. If I'm not mistaken, it's coming to Atlantic City, isn't it? I know it's coming to Atlantic City. I don't know if it's being rolled out in casinos across the country or whether it's just being trialed in New Jersey first. I may have to take a weekend trip to AC just to play this and report live. You are not getting expensed for that. No. (laughs) No. Both legal and HR put their foot down on that one, sir. (laughs) Well, that wraps it up for this week in Star Trek Online News. Now, let's hear from Dr. Robert Hurt with another report from the Astrometrics Lab. I'm sure there is an answer. Well, better get some facts. In the most recent episodes of Star Trek Online, we've met up with the species the Lakari and have been assisting them as they move out into space and begin to explore their neighboring systems. In one of these adventures, we fly with the Lakari past a series of comets, studying them and taking samples, trying to understand a little bit more about what makes them work. It turns out humans have been doing this kind of research for quite a long time. The European Space Agency's Rosetta mission has for over two years been following the path of the comet 67P as it began its approach past the Sun. This week, scientists working with data from the Rosetta mission have put out two studies documenting the significant changes that have been observed on the surface of the comet during this period of observation. Scientifically, the primary feature that distinguishes comets from other bodies in the solar system is a composition that includes ices water ice, carbon dioxide ice, that are mixed up with the material. As comets make their close passes by the sun, these ices begin to evaporate, blowing out and forming a giant cloud of material that we see in the night sky. These gas clouds then stream off behind the comet, giving its characteristic shape. The tiny objects at the centers of these huge gas clouds were so small, they really could not be observed directly beyond pinpoints of light until we were able to send space probes past them. Indeed, the object at the core of Comet 67P is only just over two and a half miles across. Images from Rosetta show it to be a very lopsided object covered with rubble and dust everywhere you look. The surface gravity on such a small object is only about one ten thousandth that of Earth. So even a gentle step could be enough to propel you into orbit or clear away from the object entirely. It is the same low gravity that facilitates the transfer of material from the comet itself, forming the giant halo and tail that goes behind it. As the warming ices under the surface turn into gas, they blow out and carry with them the debris in the form of dust, which are easily liberated from the surface due to its low gravity. One thing the Rosetta scientists were looking for was any kind of visible change on the surface over the two years that it was being observed. And they really did. In one case, they saw an entire section of a cliff face slump into a landslide associated with a puff of gas that was seen coming from the comet at that point in time. 
Pictures dating from soon after the landslide showed a much lighter surface, suggesting there were exposed ices. But over time, that surface darkened again as they evaporated, showing only the soil that was left behind. In a series of other before and after photos, the scientists show an incredible variety of surface phenomena going on. In some cases, large boulders were seen to move and roll across the surface, presumably as the conditions under the surface changed. In other places, material seems to have blown off the surface or slumped down into cavities that formed underneath. In one location, an existing fracture was seen to grow substantially in length, suggesting that perhaps in a future pass around the Sun, the comet may split into two or more pieces. By orbiting and imaging this comet for over two years as it passed by the Sun, the Rosetta mission has given us an unprecedented look at the changing geology of an active comet. I encourage everyone to check out these remarkable before and after photos. Links, of course, will be provided in the show notes. That wraps it up for this week's Astrometrics Report. Let's go and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. A big thanks to Dr. Robert Hurt for this week's Astrometrics Report. Now we're at the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Episode 312's community question was, uh, well, we didn't have a community question, but we still had some amazing feedback. Our listeners are clearly all-stars who need no prompting. From our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com, Stephen in Swindon. Great episode, as usual. I share the concerns about Harry Mudd and Sarek and whatever else they have planned to connect the show to what has boldly gone before. Nothing wrong with a few kisses with history. To give people a good dose of the member berries. But not central characters, please. What's a member berry? <laughs> Is that a British thing, Kenna? I don't know. Is that a He's from Swindon. He's from Swindon. No, I know, I know Steven. I met Steven at Destination Star Trek. He's a cool dude. Um I don't that must be some really awesome are. British slang that we really wonder, need to look up. Maybe. We possibly. really ought to look that up. Possibly. Mm. From the start. No, is it safe? We should probably. Look no, it we up. shouldn't. We should not look it up then. From the Star Trek Online forums, Dan Queller said On a subject raised about the prior community question regarding fan content, I completely agree with the comments on Star Trek Continues. The sets and photography are perfect, and the writing is in keeping with that of TOS. However, when I watch Star Trek Continues, I'm watching an actor trying to play William Shatner playing Captain Kirk, and the disconnect that induces gets in the way of enjoying the production as I think it deserves. This this is that's a valid a criticism. That's, this is that's, valid. That, that is a valid criticism, yes, yes, that it's an actor trying to play William Shatner trying to play, play Kirk, whereas Chris Pine was Chris Pine. If you've seen any other, any other of Chris Pine's work, it's very much him. Mm. And there were touchstones to yeah. some mannerisms that Kirk did, and some of, and some things that he in ways that he said it, but it was not an imitation of the characters. That's that's what that was the saving grace of the the JJ verse Kelvin timeline was that the actors were not imitating the actors' portrayal, but that they were the yeah, characters. The difference is, is that Vic Mignogna pulls it off. I mean. It, it maybe I he, he, he pulls it off. Let's be I mean, he's a really good voice actor, and yeah. I kind he kind of nails it really. So I'm, yeah. it's a valid criticism. I agree with the criticism completely. I just think that fix that good, and <laughs> he kind of pulls it mm. off. I love this next one from Priority of the Podcast. Sandox Skyrad says, "Wait, what?" 
The Doug Drexler and Thomas the Cat was for real? For real? I just looked at it and gave it a miss because I thought you guys were doing an April Fool's thing again. We never do it here in Australia, and it seems like a waste of time to me. Also, I don't know if you guys know, but the time you publish, it's the 2nd of April in the rest of the world. Good point. <laughs> so, Groundhog Day. Yeah, so, nope, it was our Doug Drexler interview was anything but a yep. April Fool's. That was joke. no April Fool's. That was the real deal. Totally real. For realsies. Yeah. We, thought about, we thought about doing an April Fool's, uh, but because we had such prestigious guests we were like yeah let's put our professional pants on this probably weekend. play it straight and not <laughs> do it yeah yeah, yeah. and we had and, and he we had him back we've got him over on guard frequency coming up on next week's show so if you like more doug drexler we get he he kind of re, goes over some of the same stuff he went over last time but we go down the battlestar galactica route uh, but there's still plenty of Trek references in there for, for you guys who want to hear more from uh, from Doug and his, his Hollywood stories. So uh, check out Guard Frequency. Oh, man, it'll be the first time in a lot of time we listen to that show. Oh, boy. Well, just no respect from these people. Just no respect. Well, that wraps up episode 313 of Priority One Podcast. But before we go, here's our community question for the week. What are your thoughts on the Star Trek Online featured episode Survivor? Let us know all your spoilerific opinions. Captains, you know we love hearing from you. So leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or tweet us via at PriorityOnePod. And if you can, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes and help spread the word about the show. Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Thursday nights at around 11 p.m. Eastern. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if that wasn't enough, you can join us in Star Trek Online in the Priority One Armada. If you're interested, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Covering the world of space sims including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Special announcement this week, we've got Doug Drexler talking Battlestar Galactica, so you really don't want to miss that episode. Thanks to our audio team led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker and Jake Morgan, and with support from Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to associate producer, Navy Boat Slew. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage.
Transfer complete. Uh, who could this affect? So who else? Uh, Star Trek Discovery, among others. No, no. Who could this affect? Who could uh, Star Trek Discovery? No, 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 no. What's on first? Who's <laughs> on second? Base. Third base! Start from the sentence. Who could this affect? <laughs> you so cheeky. <laughs> I so cheeky. Oh, I'm just more conscientious of your freaking flubs. <laughs> Everybody loves yeah. my flubs. He sounds so relaxed. <laughs> my flubs are why people listen to the show. Her flubs bring all the boys to the yard. Yeah. My f- it's true. My flubs. My lovely lady flubs. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it for me. Good night, everybody. I apologize. Good night, folks. <laughs> I apologize to everyone. I just apologize in general. In general. As a mic drop for me. <laughs> Hey guys. Hey, hey. As I experience certain sensory input patterns, my mental pathways become accustomed to them. The inputs eventually are anticipated and even missed when absent. Bring it back to my Android. Uh, I think that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me, Elijah. It's like the fourth or fifth nicest thing someone said to me. But, you know, that's good. That's good. We love you yeah. too, man. Yeah. Man. This is Elijah, Stow News, Sync 1. This is Kenna. I definitely pressed the button. Stow News, Sync 2. This is Tony. Beep, 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 beep. Sync 3. <laughs> in a gauntlet-class scenario, captains will not be engaging in direct battle with the opposite team, but racing against them to solve puddle... Solve oh, puddles. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wraps up episode 113. <laughs> Does it? Beep, beep. <laughs> Like, did you change it from 12 to 13? It, yeah. Is that what it, you just did? Yeah. And yeah it, it's, I'm sorry. It's, I normally do that before we get in here. No, but, but I, it's like you think I wouldn't have noticed it? It seems like we've recorded 200 episodes tonight, but no, just the one. <laughs> just the one. Well, that wraps up episode 300. <laughs> episode 513. <laughs> 2014 called and wants its episode back. And if you can, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps other people. <laughs> See, I'm going to the script. I don't like it. I don't like it. Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our...